0: for another great Wednesday night united it's so good to see everyone it's such a blessing to uh, be sharing the word of God with you tonight and uh, we're going to take some time tonight and get uh, back into this that we've been on uh, that we've been teaching on uh, the subject of let us draw near and uh, this this just keeps expanding in my spirit and it came to me yesterday I was driving uh, to pick uh, Lily up from school. And uh, I just, it, it came to me that we are just, we are going to stay on this until we get it. And until we are walking in, in all of this that God wants us to walk in. It's it's, uh, it's like removing limits off of your life and whatever, whatever the uh, context of those limits may be. And uh, every time you encounter them, you just have to push through them, all right? And uh, in Hebrews 10 and verse 22, the very first part of that verse, the uh, writer of Hebrews says, let us draw near. And then he says, with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, we uh, started this some weeks ago, and we've been saying this that the word, the phrase draw near means to be near, to draw near, to worship. And uh, part of that is this spirituality, this maturity, this growth that the word talks about us having. And that we should desire because uh, a person that's not growing spiritually is happy with an arm's length relationship with God. Uh, I'm saved, I'm uh, I'm on my way to heaven. But the person that wants to draw near, they're the person that's laying things aside. Uh, They're growing, they're maturing, they're progressing in their Christian walk. And we want to go over here to Romans chapter 12. We've we've looked at these verses a couple of different times in this series, but we really want to center up on it uh, tonight. Because this has so much to do with uh, this drawing near, this growing, that the object of the Christian life is progression. It's uh, maturity, it's spiritual growth. And uh, when I come to understand that, uh, I remember the first time I heard a uh, minister say that, a friend of mine was preaching and he made that statement. And it just imprinted my spirit. It impacted me because, uh, you know, over and over again, we see that in the scriptures. And uh, part of, we talked about Sunday morning, Part of that growth in Ephesians 4, to grow up into Him, has to do, uh, obviously, with our progression and our maturity. In Romans 12 and verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so Paul says of course here he says uh, in light of the mercies of God Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All right. Very often when we talk about that and we say reasonable, we define it as, well, it's just it's just the right thing to do. Uh, or it's it's rational. Uh, or something that you do by reason. Well, it is. It is something that you do by reason and it's something that you do with a rational purpose behind it. There's a reason that you present your body a living sacrifice. There's a purpose behind doing it. One definition of that is a service to God as, besit- as befits the reason i.e., a spiritual sacrifice, not the offering of an irrational animal. All right, so when you present your body, it's saying, as a living sacrifice, there's a reason behind you doing it. It's not like an irrational animal that has no reason for what they're doing. All right, we've all heard and and seen the... uh, illustration of this when maybe somebody in your life is acting a certain way and you'll say that's just they're they're just irrational there's no reason for them to be thinking that way all right Paul is saying here in these verses there's a reason behind what you're doing you're not just doing this for no reason it's not just because it's the right thing to do or because it's appropriate, there's a reason behind it. See, presenting your body, he says, I beseech you, the word beseech, we've talked about it, means to beg, or to entreat, or to implore, and it's not the, the word beg like you think, where you're just, uh, you know, begging, oh please, oh please, oh please. Paul is beseeching, it's it's a strong language and he says I beseech you in light of the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable or your rational service or do this because there's a reason behind it understand that this is something that we cannot do Without doing it on purpose, you cannot offer your body a living sacrifice. Without doing it on purpose, all right. If uh, I would say the large, largest part of believers that you know, if you were to go to them and ask them today, uh, so uh, what are you doing with your body today? Or how's the renewing of your mind coming? They would look at you like, what what are you talking about? Because a lot of believers don't think that way. And Paul says, this is not something you can do without doing it on purpose. This is our thoughtful, now notice the word, thoughtful, rational worship to God. We are to worship God with our lifestyle. All right? The woos Bible says, Place your bodies at the disposal of God, a sacrifice, a living one, a holy one, well-pleasing in your rational, sacred service. And then he makes this statement, Rational in that this service is performed by the exercise of the mind. So once again... It is something that you have to think about. It's something that you have to do on purpose. This doesn't just happen. You don't just present your body without thinking about it. You don't just present your body without having a purpose behind it. Hallelujah. See, that—that's—that's. That's, I've, I've made this statement throughout this series that there are people that get saved, they get born again, their spirit's saved, And their salvation never affects any other part of their life except their spirit. Because they have to make this volitional act, they have to think about doing this. Which is what? Presenting my body a living sacrifice. So this tells me that the way we live is supposed to be worship to God. The way that I live my life is my act of worship to God. And that it is acceptable to God when I live a holy lifestyle and offer my body a living sacrifice to God. Now again, I talked at length in a, a couple messages ago about external holiness. And and uh, I can remember and I was I was a a, a a little boy I can remember being involved in uh and 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 learning a lot about external holiness all right a, a lot of do's and don'ts a lot of you can't wear this you can't say this you can't watch this you can't go here you can't do this and here here's the thing All of those things were not wrong. There are things you shouldn't watch. There are things you shouldn't listen to. There are things that you shouldn't be involved in. But here's here's what I want you to understand. When Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, he's not just talking about externals. He's talking about something you thought about, something that you purposed to do hallelujah he says it's acceptable to god when we live a holy lifestyle living set apart living like my life is set apart for the service of god that my life is set apart for what god's asked me to do amen for for instance when you have someone that takes their talents, their abilities, and, and they just take it, and their purpose and their reason in life is just to use it all for them, then they're, uh, and, and I'm talking about a believer. In a sense, they're not living a holy lifestyle. They may not be sinning, But the purpose for my gifts and talents and abilities is to help in the kingdom of God. I may not work 100% in the church, and I may not receive my income from the church, talking about the local church, but there's something that I should be doing with those gifts and talents and abilities that God gave me to help the local church, to help the body of Christ. Because I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice. I'm presenting my life as worship to God. That's what Paul said, you'll remember, when he wrote to the church. And he talked about servants obeying your masters as you would the Lord Jesus. And he said, what will happen then is that the fragrance of God will be smelled by people because of of the way you act and the way you do things. Amen. The the fragrance of being a living sacrifice to God, a a life that's set apart for God will infiltrate, it will fill every place that you go because you've made the decision to present your life to God and to present your life a living sacrifice. And I'm going to do what I can to help in the kingdom of God and I'm going to do what I can to help further what God wants to be done hallelujah see notice he says then in the last part of this verse uh, the first part of verse 2 excuse me and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so notice this we are commanded as New Testament believers To do something with our minds. I'm commanded to do that. God requires that we do something with our minds. That we do something with our thinking. Now we'll get deeper into this as we go. But God requires, God asks, God demands that we do something with our mind. All right? He says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world. Some translation says, do not be conformed any longer. Others say, no longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But the present imperative used here in the Greek tense means this. Stop being conformed. Stop it. All right, stop being conformed and start being transformed. Now think about this. Paul's writing to the Roman church and he says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore brethren. So he's not writing to unbelievers. And we can gather if we look at Paul's history and we look at the history in the New Testament, we can gather that these people were probably spirit-filled. Because you remember when Paul went to the church, to to the city of Ephesus, and he encountered certain brethren, the Bible says, disciples, and he talked to them, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we didn't know whether there'd be any such thing as the Holy Ghost. He said, what baptism were you baptized under? They said, John's. He said, well, let me help you. And he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. When Peter and the other apostles came to Samaria after Philip's revival, the first thing they did was to begin to lay hands on people and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. So we can gather that these people had heard the gospel and were more than likely spirit-filled. But yet, Paul still has to tell these saved, more than likely spirit-filled believers present your bodies a living sacrifice and stop being conformed to this world and start being transformed. He had to tell believers, stop being conformed and start being transformed. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Paul had to tell them to stop being conformed. They needed to do two things they needed to do something with their bodies, and they needed to do something with their minds. They needed to do something with their bodies, and they needed to do something with their minds. You should say that out loud. They needed to do something with their bodies, and they needed to do something with their minds. All Right? I made this statement earlier. Many believers today do nothing. They're doing nothing with their bodies and their minds. See, this is maturity. This is maturity. Because I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But now I need to live a life in my soul and in my body that's well-pleasing to God, right? So that entails, I got to do something with my body, and I've got to do something with my mind. You know, I liken it to this, to this description, that, you know, when, when, when uh, a person gets married, according to Scripture now, their mind and their thoughts and their body are set apart for their spouse. right you can say it however you want i'm no longer on the market uh i'm no longer uh available right because i'm married i i belong to one woman but here's the thing there are marriages that get in trouble because they they are married they belong to each other but one of the other spouses may not be Faithful in their mind. You understand? When when you get married, not only are you married physically, bodily, the Bible says you became one. And, And so I've got to keep my thinking right. If I'm going to have a successful marriage, I've got to think right. Because my actions will follow my thinking and if I'm not thinking right, if I'm allowing my mind to be loose, if if I'm allowing myself to think whatever I comes into my mind, my actions will follow that. Hallelujah. And and, I, and I've got to be careful with that. And Paul says that you've got to do something with your body and your minds, because. If our bodies are going to be submitted to God, only we can do that. Only you can submit your body to God. Only you can present your body a living sacrifice to God. People will say, Pastor, how often should we do that? Every day. I did it today. I was out on, on, my, on the, the trail that I used to run and, and whatnot. And I was out this morning and, and I came across a certain spot and And it just came up in my spirit. And I said, Father, I just present my body to you today. A living sacrifice. This is is not just the least I can do. This is something that I'm doing for a reason. And something that I'm doing with purpose behind it. Alright? Because that's only something that I can do. If a believer fails to submit their body to God... They will go on living their life as a shallow, immature, carnal believer. Because of, of, of a failure to do that. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. There, there, there are people that you, you'll see people and they'll, they'll get born again. And uh, it just seems like they just take off. And, uh, you know, they, they conquer certain things and overcome certain things. And then you'll see people get born again, and they'll struggle with those things that the other person just overcome. And a lot of times in the church, there's this uh, disparity. Well, why did that person struggle and that person just overcome? The, I, I, I remember this. Uh, some of the people that were very instrumental in my wife getting saved. Very instrumental in her getting born again uh, and getting freed from drugs and freed from alcohol and freed from the life that she was living. Very instrumental in in her deliverance. Those same people struggled, uh, kept right on smoking and uh, ended up getting a divorce. But my wife walked away from that drug addiction of ever how many years it was and never went back. And one day she decided to quit smoking and she just did it and never went back. Amen. Her, her and I will soon be celebrating 28 years of marriage. And, and she stuck with me till Jesus comes or I leave this earth. But here, here's the point that I'm making. So how is it that she just got delivered and walked free from it? It wasn't that there wasn't challenges. It wasn't that there wasn't opportunities and and then you have other people that, that were very instrumental in her freedom and yet they're struggling with things in the flesh and end up having problems. I can tell you it's very simple. I know my wife. She lives her life submitted to God. She lives her life with her body and her mind and her spirit submitted to God. Hallelujah. I've said over and over again, my wife is the holiest person I know. And that's not in a legalistic sense. She lives her life with the, the, and what's utmost in her mind is to not offend the father. Hallelujah. And so people will say, well, why did that person get delivered? And they just went on free And this person got saved around the same time, and they struggle. It's very simple. It's right here in these passages. One presented their body and renewed their mind and stopped being conformed and became transformed, and one didn't. It's very simple. Amen. Well, you know, but, but... You know, it's different for every person. No, it's not, because if it was different for every person, Paul would have said here, now this is different for a different people. For every person, this is different. No. He writes to the whole church at Rome and ultimately the whole body of Christ and says, here's what you need to do. Present your body a living sacrifice and stop being conformed and be transformed. How, Paul? By renewing your mind. Do you see this? Hallelujah. If we do not do something with our minds, God is not going to do anything with our minds. I have to do something with my mind. The issue with the mind, I, I was listening to uh, my pastor, Some uh, well, I, I listen to him all the time, but this just imprinted my spirit and he was talking about your mind and, and talking about the fact that your mind is a computer and everything that you have been exposed to over the years your mind took it in and compartmentalized it and filed it away all right and you've got to renew your mind because your mind will want to keep thinking and operating and functioning down those pathways. And if I don't renew it, I can be a born-again believer with an unrenewed mind and live a carnal life. I have to take the, the opportunity. See, we talk very often about casting down imaginations when they come, and we should. But in the process of casting down those imaginations, every day, all through the day, all through the the, the the week, all through the month, I'm not just casting down imaginations. I'm renewing my mind. I am substituting information for information. I'm bringing other information into my mind to replace what was in my mind before. Hallelujah. Do you see this? If my body's going to be submitted to God, only I can do that. So we are supposed to control what goes into our minds, what we think on, what we believe. And I've got to control that. I've got to control what I think on. And and, and I'm not going to take time talking About all the ways to do that. But obviously you know what you hear and what you see. That's that's one of the main ways that you control what goes into your mind. Hallelujah. What we believe. I've got to control that. Because the word renewing means a renewal or a renovation. A complete change for the better in the believer's mental process. All right, a renewal, a renovation. This is so important because to renovate, to renew, not fix up, not paint. Hallelujah. I worked for a man one time that had uh, rental houses and uh, people would move out and, you know, people treat rental houses worse than they do a dog. Most people and and you know he would he would he would have you come in and uh, you know uh, most times shampoo the carpets, paint, change the light bulbs hallelujah but nothing was ever renovated nothing was ever renewed. Amen you just put new paint on top of old paint you just shampooed old carpets. And cleaned old tile. Amen. It, it was the same house. See the Bible talks over and over again about how your life. Jesus likens our lives to a house. And, and he said for instance that when you get the light of the word in your life. And he likened it to a house. He said you put it on a lampstand and it fills the whole house changes your whole life, right? So when you got born again, everything about your spirit changed. It was completely born again. It was completely made new. And then he goes, now we've got to start the process of renewal and renovation in your mind. In other words, I don't want you to just be fixed up I want you to be renovated. Well, you know, when you renovate a home, you don't go in and just shampoo the same carpet and paint the same, put new paint on old paint. When you renovate a home, you go in and you take up the old carpet. You probably put up new sheetrock. You tear down some walls. You make room. You're renovating. You're renewing that home. You're restoring that home. You are taking it back to its original form. Hallelujah. So it's a complete change for the better in the believer's mental process. This is not only when we get saved. This is an ongoing process. I'm supposed to be constantly renewing, renovating, changing my mind. Constantly renewing, renovating, and changing my mind. Hallelujah. In uh, uh, the Wish Bible says of Romans 12 and verse 2, change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being by the renewing of your mind. So notice that the outward expression that I will adopt as I renew my mind will be representative of the inner change. How does that happen? By renewing my mind. Glory to God. You know, there are people, there are people that when they got saved, the moment they got saved, you knew they were different. It just, there was such a change. It it could, now, a lot of times people attribute that and, and they judge that by what the person quit doing. But more often than not, it's something on the expression. It's something in the way they look. It's something in the way that they present themselves. Why? Because there's no longer a dead spirit on the inside of them. There is now a living spirit on the inside of their body And it is being expressed through their body. And it will continue to be expressed that way if that person will continue to renew their mind. So he says, I want you to adopt this, change your outward expression into one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being. And he says how? By renewing of your mind. In uh, Ephesians 4, we see a couple things. Verse 22, he says, That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Conversation here means your way of life or your manner of life. So we could say this at this point, uh, present your body a living sacrifice. Because Paul said, notice, you put off that way of life, your former manner of life. You present your body a living sacrifice. The, The Weymouth translation says that you... Put off your original evil nature. You put it off. Now think about that. So God doesn't put it off. I put it off. That's my responsibility. I put that off. I make the choice not to do that. Amen. See, and that's the problem that you get into when you start telling people, you know, that, 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 that God will do everything and that, you know, you're, you're born again and there's nothing for you to do and, and you just sit back and, and uh, you know, ride, ride the ferry boat to heaven. That's not how it works, right? Because as, as long as I have been saved, I have come to, to figure something out. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I have come to figure something out that I have to, on a regular basis present my body a living sacrifice and continue in the renewing of my mind. And Paul says here to the Ephesian church, he says, put off your original evil nature. That's my responsibility. Then in James 1 and uh, verse 21, we've looked at this a couple times during this series but it's important that we, we go back and look at this. James 1 and 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now notice he's writing again to believers. Verse 2 says, my brethren. He's writing to believers. And he says, lay apart. And he talks about Filthiness, moral dirtiness, superfluity of naughtiness, overflow of wickedness. All right? So again, we could say, James is saying, present your body a living sacrifice. Because he tells these believers, notice, that they have to do something with their body to stay holy and separated before God. See, it's not just an external holiness. It's, it's, it's what they were doing. He's saying, if you want to stay holy and separated, there's some things you got to put off. There's some things you got to stay away from. All right? And they were born again, but in one sense of the word, their souls weren't saved. Their souls weren't born again. I've told you the story of the friend that I had. Uh, And I loved this man dearly. Uh, Well, I say loved. I still love him. He's in heaven. But uh, uh, he and I would have this discussion. And we weren't arguing, but we would have this discussion. He pastored uh, for a number of years. And, you know, he would have people that would just, you know, for lack of a better term, wig out or or whatever. Just go weird. And go, you know, they'd been coming to church for a while. And and he would have leaders and, and different people. And we've all had those instances But that would just go and and do something so carnal or something, you know, even sinful. And he would say, he would just shake his head and say, Philip, are those people born again? Well, here's the point. Yeah, they were. Most of them. But they were carnal. Because they didn't put that off. You've got to understand the weight of what we're saying here. There are things that God desires for every believer to walk in, and every believer to access, and every believer to have in their lives. And but unless that believer is ready to do something with their body and their mind, not only will they not—and if I say I, I want to say this right— not only will they not qualify, they won't qualify because they're not maturing. They're not growing. Amen. You know, one of the worst things that you can do for a child is promote them to the next grade when they have not passed the previous grade. It's the worst thing you can do. Because you're ensuring their failure in the previous grade. Why? Because the curriculum in the first grade sets you up for the curriculum in the second grade. Right? And if, if you don't grasp the first grade, you will never grasp the second grade. And if you encounter someone that lets you skate by in the second grade and promotes you when you didn't qualify, now you're in the third grade and you don't know what you learned in the first or the second grade. And that's why you have certain states throughout the United States that are very low on the educational scale and the reason is, is they put no pressure on people to perform and to renew their mind, right? Amen. And so then you've got people graduating classes and being promoted and and by the time they graduate high school, they can barely read and barely write their name, but yet they passed them. See, there's things that that person will not qualify for. They may have a high school diploma. But then when they put them on a test to find out what they know, it'll become very clear that somebody gave them a pass. And what will they end up doing? You don't qualify for this job because we need you to have certain attributes and certain abilities, amen, amen, that you didn't learn, and so the problem with carnality is that it keeps you immature. It keeps you from functioning everywhere that God wants you to be able to function. It's, it's, it's another illustration. Is this is uh, I've never been a big fan of mathematics. All right, I've never been a fan of, of math. Uh, you know, I mean, I I can the Lord's helped me over the years. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty good with numbers. But uh, uh, here's the thing. If you don't learn 2 plus 2 equals 4, you'll never be able to deduce x plus y equals whatever. If you can't understand 2 plus 2 equals 4, you can never understand the square root of 4. Hallelujah. Right? Because they all build on each other. The elementary things, these are the elementary things. These These are the everyday heavy lifting that we do. Present my body and renew my mind. Hallelujah. Becoming a new creature and having our sins forgiven is not the saving of the soul. It's the saving of our spirit. Not the saving of the soul. Because, and I'm not going to take time with this, but we are a spirit. We possess a soul and we live in a body. We reside in a body. So my spirit is the part of me that's like God. It, it, my spirit is that part of me that was born again. But according to the word, according to what James says, my soul still needs to be saved. My soul still needs to be renewed. My soul still needs to be restored. Remember, David said of the Lord, he said, you restore my soul. A soul is something that you possess. Hallelujah. Uh, Your soul, according to Jesus, is something that can be lost. Well, if it's something that can be lost, it's something that you possess. Notice this, so the saving of the soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, Paul deals with it in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the the thinking, be renewed, stop being conformed to this world, start being transformed, oh glory, do you see this? The key to this salvation of the soul, hear me, is the Word. The key to the salvation of the soul is the Word of God. He says here in James 1, the last part of verse 21, and receive with meekness. So notice the first part is what I have to do. The second part, receive with meekness, The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The engrafted word. That word engrafted is rooted or implanted. The Woos Bible says the implanted word. The word that's rooted in you or implanted in you. Hallelujah. See, there are believers... Well, let me say this. People say, well, how do you know? Let me tell you how I know that this is true. <clears throat> because I've, I've told my testimony on a number of times, a number of, of, of occasions. I, I was born again when I was eight years old. Just as saved as you can be, filled with the Holy Spirit at nine. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I was born again and, and uh, loved the Lord. And long about uh, probably, oh, I don't know, uh, 17, I guess, 17 years of age, uh, you know, I started having some different thoughts. I started having, you know, people call it rebelliousness or whatever you want to call it. And uh, so, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, I was saved. I was even involved in the church. But, but you know, I was just, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was the... Uh, uh, into the seventies, the beginning of the eighties, and and you know it was uh, it was a uh, a different time to say the least, and uh, so you know about probably twenty years of age, I backslid. I just people say where well, you're running from God? No, God had never done anything to me to run from Him for. I I just here's the issue: I became carnal. I became a very carnal Christian, very carnal, amen, and uh, you know, I, uh, uh, so probably from the time I was 20 till I was probably 22, maybe 23, I, I didn't just live a carnal lifestyle, I lived a sinful lifestyle, I, you know, that, that's just the, the bottom line truth of it. And, uh, you know, I I, I sang with a, a country group, sang in the bars, and, and didn't just sing in the bars. I went to the bars, and and I mean, so I know that lifestyle. Now, number one, I wasn't there very long, thank God. It didn't take me very long to, I'm like the prodigal son. It didn't take me very long to lose everything. Not very long at all, just a matter of years. My life was over. Hallelujah. And I can get into that uh, another time. But it almost cost me my life. Very close to costing me my life. Amen. Two two men tried to kill me. And the Lord woke my mother up at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, you need to pray right now because the devil's trying to kill your son. And she interceded for me and they stopped what they were doing. It ended up with a hospital stay, but I'm, I'm still here. Praise God. But here's my point in telling you all of that. Is so what got me into trouble was carnality. Do you see this? Now now understand what I'm going to say. I came back to the Lord. I had to be forgiven. I had to repent. All right. But I had been saved very young. I had to repent. I had to come back to the Lord. Had to come back into fellowship with him. But here's, here's the thing that I begin to understand. I got uh, back into fellowship with the Lord probably when I was 23. And uh, But the problem was, my mind wasn't renewed. I still had wrong thoughts. And when I say wrong thoughts, I don't just mean sinful thoughts. I mean, I thought wrong about the church. I thought wrong about the things of the church. My mind wasn't renewed. Hallelujah. So, consequently, I was saved. I was back in fellowship with God. But my soul wasn't saved. My mind wasn't renewed. And so the church didn't mean to me what it should have meant. The call of God didn't mean to me what it should have meant. I was just glad that I was saved and not going to hell. Amen. You know, because the way I, the, the way I was raised, whether it was intentional or not, here's what we got, was, you know, that when you got born again, and let's say you're driving down the road, and, uh, you know, you're in an automobile accident, and, uh, uh, you know... Uh, uh, something happens and uh, you know you die and right before you died you said a word you shouldn't have said well we were taught you're going to hell because that was a sin you you curse that was a sin now that's an extreme viewpoint and I understand that but I I had seen the power of God in church I had seen miracles and transformations in people's life but here's the thing was I still had this religious idea of how people were supposed to act and what was supposed to be done. So my mind wasn't renewed. Hallelujah. Well, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. My point in saying that is I was raised in church and if I can say this, I had read the Bible, I knew scriptures But I didn't know the Word. I didn't know anything about who and what the Word said I was. I knew nothing about that. I went to church my whole life. And I don't know that I can ever tell you that I heard a sermon on being the righteousness of God in Christ. Or new creatures in Christ. I don't know that I ever heard a sermon on renewing your mind, or presenting your body a living sacrifice. If I did, I was asleep. But I don't know that I ever heard that. Hallelujah. But thank God that there there come a time when Pastor Michelle and I, after we were married we begin to understand we got to get a hold of the Word of God. At least I did. And what I mean by that is, is she was brought in to salvation under the Word. And I got a hold of a tape series by Brother Copeland, and I started digging into the Word of God. And I started seeing things that, to me, were absolutely mind-blowing. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous? I begin to see that in the Word. He made Him to be sin for us that knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That I might might be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Man, I begin to see those things. And what begin to happen? I started seeing myself... As righteous. As being in right standing with God. Not perfect. Not without failure. Not without mistake. But in right standing with God. You know it's a terrible thing to live your Christian life. Like you're on a a, a knife's edge. Of going to hell. Righteousness tells you you're in right standing with God. You're saved. You're in right standing with God. You don't have to worry about going to hell. You have to renew your mind and live your life dedicated to God. Right? I I, I begin to see myself as a son of God. The, the, the first time I thought about that, that I am a son of God, not a stepson of God, not not uh, uh, somebody that God felt sorry for and letting His family. I am a son of God. My name is in God's family tree, and that He loves me as much as He loves Jesus. Whew. Man, the first time I I heard that and saw that and read that in the Bible, I had to I had to say that by faith. I had to say that in fear and trembling. Amen. Do you see this? Hallelujah. I had to learn these things. I had to learn that it was God's will for me to prosper. But but now watch. Where am I learning all these things from? The Word. I'm learning it from the Word. There are believers that go to church every week And never learn anything from the Word. They don't learn from the Word. They go and they hear a sermon, but they don't learn anything from the Word. James said, the way to save your soul, restore your mind, renew your mind, is to receive the Word. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I had to learn about giving. I had to learn that God wanted me to prosper. I I knew God could heal. I had seen God heal. I had to learn that I was redeemed from sickness. I had to learn those things. I've I've told the story about Pastor Michelle and I. Boy, we were struggling financially. I was working all the hours they would give me. She was babysitting kids and uh, working at night. Hallelujah. And we weren't making it. Living in a rinky-dink apartment. Not making it. And I took my Bible and got honest with God. And took it to Malachi 3 and said, that's not working for me. And the Lord said, the reason it's not working for you is you don't do it consistently. You tithe when you think you have it and when you don't, you, you, you don't do it. Now, notice something. God had to teach me that. I had to renew my mind that God is honored first. Right? And that's where it started. It started with us eking out the tithe. No no offering, the tithe. That's all I could afford to give in the beginning. Understand, I was... I didn't go to a church like you go to. You understand? I I was not taught the principles of prosperity. I was having to learn this on my own. And so I did not know that I had to take a step of faith and do more. But I did know I saw in the word and the Lord had spoke to me in my spirit that I needed to tithe. And so I started squeaking out that tithe. I mean, it would be right at 10%. I mean, not 10 and a half, not 10 and a quarter, or 10 and a third, 10%. Because I need every other thing. I've got three kids that need shoes and clothes, and they're growing, they need to eat. Amen. Right? But I'm in the Word. And the next thing you know, I get a hold of a series by a minister called Ten Golden Keys to Prosperity. And I saw the tie, and I saw giving, and I saw sowing seed. And I saw that every time I sowed my seed, I I was dispossessing the enemy of that land he was holding. And I could begin to reap a harvest. And then I got a hold of Brother Copeland's series, Establishing Your Heart on the Word of God, and my life went to another level. And then I got a hold of his book about the, 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 the laws of prosperity, and my life started changing even more. See, what's happening, though? What's happening? My mind is being renewed. How is my mind being renewed? By the Word. Amen. You know what else I found in the Word? The importance of going to church. You cannot read the New Testament and not find out the importance of going to church. Amen. And I begin to see the importance of gathering together. I begin to see the importance of having a pastor in my life. I begin to see the importance of these things. What was happening? My mind was being renewed. And it's an ongoing process. But, but, but here's the thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Word is a powerful, cleansing, delivering agent. There were things that went out of my life just because I was in the Word. Remember, that's what 1 John says. He says that uh, 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 if 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 we walk in sin, it's because we don't have fellowship with Him. But it said if we walk in the light, We receive a constant cleansing of sin. If I walk in the light of the word, there are things that will just leave my life. But what was happening? My mind was being renewed. Oh, this is so important. Because here's the thing. I cannot have the blessings of God unless I act in faith on the promises of God. Can't have the blessings if I don't act in faith on the promises. And I can't act in faith on the promises if we don't think right. I can't act in faith on the promises if I don't think right. I've told the story of riding with a person one time. And uh, 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 actually, actually I was riding with my dad. And this is before my dad got a revelation of prosperity. And I'd heard a minister on TV preach that Jesus wasn't poor. Now I was a teenager then. And it just made sense to me. He took me to the Word and showed me that Jesus wasn't poor. And I was sharing that with my dad. And he looked at me just incredulous. He said, Why, well, son, Jesus was too poor. Now, why did he say that? Because that's what he had been taught. His mind had never been renewed. Born again since he was 13 years of age. And his mind had never been renewed to the fact that God wanted him to prosper. Now he got it eventually, thank God. But 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 here's the point. So my mind had to be renewed because why? I couldn't act in faith if I didn't think right. If I didn't think it was God's that that's why you've got a multitude of believers that go through their life believing they're just old sinners saved by grace. And so something comes up and they miss the mark or they fail. And instead of getting in the Word to find out how to overcome that, they say, well, what do you expect? We're just sinners saved by grace. And then you've got another group of of believers that they, they talk about the flesh all the time. They're always trying to defeat the flesh, defeat the flesh, defeat the flesh. It's the flesh. The flesh did it. Yeah, I sinned, but it was the flesh. Yeah, I did this, but it was the flesh. Well, the Bible says I can mortify the deeds of the body. That I can renew my mind. So see, neither one of those arguments are valid once you get in the Word of God. But if you don't think right, you can't act on those promises. I've had people say to me after I shared something in the Word, well, that's not what I was taught. That's not what I believe. Yeah, but it's in the Word. You know, you, you need to understand something. If you are a believer... You're a believer of something, the word. And if it's in the word, that's what you believe. Right? And so ever what I believe, if I find something in the word that's contrary to what I believe, I believe what the word says. Right? See, that's how your mind is renewed. I shared one time in a class about being born again, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved, you'll be born again. I had a man in that class in his 70s. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't believe that. And I said, well, it's in the Word. He said, well, that wasn't what I was taught in my church. We never heard nothing about no being born again. Well, see, it doesn't change what's in the Word. So here's a man that had went to church ever how long he had went. He's in his 70s, and his mind is not renewed to the fact that he can be born again. This is so important. Our thinking... Can mess our believing up. My thinking. Can mess my believing up. You know we'll hear different stories. I've shared some stories tonight. My pastor told the story one time. The Lord told him. He said. uh, I need you to go buy. The most expensive suit you can find. And he said, at the time, of course, the most expensive suit in the city was a Hart, Schaffner, and Marks suit, and they're still pretty expensive. But he said it was the most expensive suit, and back then it was probably around between three and five hundred dollars. You know, three hundred dollar suit used to be an expensive suit. My dad, years ago, late sixties, early seventies, he'd be he'd be preaching, and he would say, you know. Uh, you, you can walk in here in a three hundred dollar suit, and well, see, that was a big—that was big money then, three hundred dollar suit. Well, you remember, Pastor said he said, well, Lord, why, why should I go buy a suit like that? He said I, I can go down to the discount mart and get uh, uh, three suits for that much money, double knit, right? And the Lord said because. If you can't pay full price for a suit. You can't build a building debt free. If you can't build a building debt free you can't take a city. And if you can't take a city why do I need you. That wasn't God being ugly to my pastor. That was God helping my pastor renew his mind. Remember what else the Lord told him. When you go in to order off of a menu, you don't order you don't order food, you order price. You order off the left side of the menu and you always order the cheapest thing. I'm not telling you anything he hadn't said publicly in this church. What was God doing, renewing his mind? Hallelujah. He's, he's done that to all of us. The Lord told me one time. He said your ministry, your life will never outgrow you. Your life will never go any further than you go. And you will never go any further than your thinking goes. That's just the bottom line. Because wherever you go, you're there. And so... Our thinking can mess our believing up. If your mindset about prosperity is, well, I really don't need that much, well, then you're not going to believe for that much, and then you're going to be limited not only on what you can uh, uh, achieve, but you will be limited into how you can help others and help the kingdom. Right? There used to be a term that people used, and I I really liked it, uh, I want to be a money missionary. Right, I want, I want to be so blessed that I can give money to help people do things. A money missionary. Right? Now if you're thinking right, that's in the Bible, that's scriptural. But if I'm only thinking my four and no more, Lord bless me and my wife, my son Jim, and his wife, us four and no more. Right, And if we believe wrong, our talking will be wrong. And then we'll really have a problem. Because I'll have what I say. Amen. So, my mind was not renewed. And you know, the thing is, is you'll constantly run into these things. I saw something not too long ago and I thought, Lord, I need to renew my mind in that area. People say, well, don't that embarrass you? No, heavens, no. We're all growing. My mind needs to be renewed there. Just because you need to renew your mind about something doesn't mean that you are necessarily sinning. It just, it just means there's somewhere you're not accessing. Hallelujah. See, you renew your mind from this area of I'm always falling to praise God. I I, I haven't made that mistake in a while. And thank God I don't make that mistake anymore. Well, then you got to roll it over and you got to start on the next thing. When a person learns that they can go to the Bible and be absolutely confident that they can receive any promise God made to them, their life will change. Because when you you understand that all the promises in Him are yes and amen, when you understand that the Bible says that when we approach God in prayer, that we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petitions we desire of Him. When you come to understand that, your life will change. The renewing of the mind changes the way we think So we can know how to believe. It changes the way we think. So we can know how to believe. Hallelujah. If I don't change the way I think. I cannot know how to believe. Here's something that's so important. I'll end with this. The most important thing in the world for a Christian. Is to get their mind renewed. In the word of God. most important thing. A Christian. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Because why? There's things God wants to bring you into. Hallelujah. 2021 for me, the first part of 2021. I, 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 the first part of 2021, I've just been soaking in the Word. I've been going to conferences. I've been staying uh, so full of certain things because I understand that this year, Is the year to make a move, and and when I say that, understand what I mean by that. We're going to make a move in some fashion, whether it's physical, a building, or or what. God hadn't showed me everything, but I'll say that even for you, it's the year to make a move. It's the year to move forward financially. It's the year to move forward in uh, relationships. It's the year to move forward into things that God wants you to move forward into. But what it will require. Is renewing your mind. I can not only move into that, I should move into that, and God wants me to move into that. Hallelujah. That's so important. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll stand up, everyone. Praise.